This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Quran across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. Surah Al-Baqarah as a whole, Rasulullah Sallallahu described in one place, لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ سَلَامٌ وَالسَّلَامُ الْقُرْآنِ الْبَقَرَةِ Everything has a peak and the peak of the Qur'an is Baqarah. It seems like it has all different kinds of subjects, but actually if you look at it, look at it carefully, it's building a very powerful argument. And one of the most powerful arguments that Surah Al-Baqarah makes is the argument of the identity of the Muslim. So when we talk seriously about the identity we have as a, not just as an individual, but as an ummah, then this is the first and foremost surah that we have to look at. And so I want to first illustrate that there are three main components as far as history before we get to these ayat. And by the way, I'll tell you what these ayat are about in a minute. The first, the earliest story mentioned in Baqarah is the, is the story of Adam alayhi salam. And the battle between, essentially there are two camps. There's the side of the angels and there's the side of the, the shayateen, right? And Adam alayhi salam is right in the middle. And the children of Adam will have to choose whether they will choose the side of the angels or the, chi- the side of the shayateen. That's what's going to have to happen. Then the story moves forward and Allah gives us a very long history of the Jewish people. The Banu Israel. And as he mentions that story, he basically describes how they were given revelation, and they were told how to choose the right side, but ended up following the way of the shayateen also literally in the middle of the passage. They literally ended up following the ways of shayateen, and, and they ended up not appreciating the guidance that Allah had given them. Now it's important to note that Adam salam was chosen over all humanity. And actually over all of creation. Adam salam's choice is a choice over all of other creation. And among his children, this family, the children of Israel, were chosen among all other nations and all other people. So first and foremost, you have the highest choice, Adam. And from within his children, you have the highest choice, Bani Israel. And the, the choice of Adam was to demonstrate what it means to obey Allah by choice. Angels don't have a choice. Shayateen have a choice, but they failed. Adam salam is supposed to have a choice and succeed. He's supposed to demonstrate that to the, to all, to, before Allah Azza wa As a nation, Banu Israel were supposed to show all the other nations what it means to obey Allah and get the best of this world and get the best of the next world. The, the role of the Israelites, the reason Allah gave them prophet after prophet after prophet, the reason Allah preferred them is not because they are racially superior. It's not because of their race, it's not because of their language. The reason Allah chose them is because they were supposed to demonstrate to all the other nations of the world what it means to obey Allah. So all other nations of the world could see that model and be impressed with that model and come to the way of Allah. So you know how we have da'wah as an individual? One person talks to a Christian or a Jewish friend or a Hindu friend or a Buddhist friend and is telling them about Islam. That's da'wah as an individual. But there's also such a thing as da'wah as a nation. When a nation has the, you know, is built upon the model of Allah's teachings, then the existence of that nation itself is da'wah. Itself sends a message. 
And if one person can make da'wah to a thousand people, can you imagine what the da'wah of a nation looks like? It can affect the entire world. If that model exists, it will affect the entire world. This was their job, but they failed. And when they failed, Allah reminded them that this job of theirs is not just because they're children of Israel, they're actually children of Ibrahim. So the next story in the surah is not the Banu Israel, it goes back to Ibrahim alayhi salam. Because they were supposed to be like their father, Ibrahim. And so here what I'd like to share with you is another continuation. It's very simple to remember, I hope inshallah ta'ala you'll keep it in your mind for today's discussion. The first story was which one you tell me? Adam alayhi salam. Adam alayhi Adam alayhi salam was tested, yes or no? He was tested. Banu Israel is the second story, right? Were they tested, yes or no? They were tested. Ibrahim alayhi salam is the third story. Are they tested? Is he tested, yes or no? Yes. Three stories, and in all of them, the main characters are tested, yes? In the case of Adam alayhi salam, did he pass the test or did he fail the test? Huh? It's okay, you can say it. I'm not gonna kick you out. He failed the test. They ate from the tree. But he can make it up later by doing istighfar, right? He apologized because that's, that's the way of humanity. We'll, sometimes we will fail and we'll ask Allah to, you know, for an apology, we'll make istighfar and we can come back, right? That's the first story of a failure, but then you can recover. The second story is the Israelites. Did they pass the test or they failed the test? They failed the test and they didn't apologize. There's a difference between Adam and Banu Israel. Adam failed but apologized. The Israelites failed but they refused to apologize. Actually, they became even more arrogant. Instead of becoming humble after failing, they became even more arrogant after failing. What's the third story that I mentioned? Ibrahim. Did he, did he pass the test or fail the test? He passed all of them. So you have three scenarios. You can fail and make it up. You can fail and become worse. Or you can pass. Three tests. And then... In this surah, the next story is the story of this ummah. From here on, it's talking. This surah is talking about this ummah, us, the Muslims. And the, the question hasn't been answered: Did we pass the test? Did we fail the test? Are we going to recover from it? Well, the reason we're mentioned here is because now three case studies are there before us. We hope to be like Ibrahim alayhi salam. That we pass the test. In case we fail the test, we hope to be like who? Adam alayhi salam. Because if, in case we fail any test, we should make istighfar and fix ourselves. We hope that we never become like who? Banu Israel, who pass the test and become arrogant and keep failing. Or fail the test and become arrogant and keep failing. Now it's our turn to be tested. And our first, now that we are the chosen nation by the way, Banu Israel were removed from this position. And now that we are supposed to be the children of Ibrahim alayhi salam, we're supposed to carry that responsibility. We are now given that title. We are now being transformed. And in these ayat, we're gonna see the phrase, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً That is how we made, we made you into an ummah. You are now the nation. But before I get to that, just these few elements. The first of them. We, the Muslims see themselves as the continuation of the same battle that started with Adam alayhi salam. The battle between the side of the angels and the side of the shayateen. We are actually the final soldiers in that battle. That's what we are. That's the, that's the thought of a Muslim. 
then we are supposed to be the people, we recognize that we are not the first ones to be chosen. There was a nation who was chosen before us. And what happened with that nation? They were replaced. Replaced by who? Us. If Allah did that once, He can do it again. In If you turn away, if you fail, He will replace you with a nation other than you. And they won't be like you. He told that to us. So we don't say, oh, Bani Israel, their turn is over, now it's our turn. Yes. Uh-uh. Because if you think you're special and I'm special, and that's it, we have the special label, then we are no different than who? Bani Israel. That's part of our identity. We realize that we are, we are replaceable. We are entirely replaceable. Allah will take nations today that are Christian, Hindu, Jewish, other nations, and they may become the Muslims of tomorrow. They may do that. And Allah has no problem doing that. And He's done it before. You know, يَأْتِ بِقَوْمًا آخرين. He'll bring another nation in your place. He'll bring another people in your place altogether. So the thinking of the Muslim is that we are not irreplaceable. We are not permanent. We don't own Islam. Islam owns us. We don't own it. The third piece of our identity is that we are actually, this is very important, we see ourselves as the practicers of the religion of Ibrahim This is really important. The name of our religion, Islam, actually comes from Ibrahim إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ أَسْلِمْ قَالَ أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ هُوَ سَمَّاكُمُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ مِنْ قَبْلُ وَفِي هَذَا Over and over again in the Qur'an you learn that the, the idea of Islam, of complete submission to Allah, unconditional, I will obey Allah no matter how difficult the commandment, that is the legacy of our father Ibrahim salam. Our religion is actually, one of the names of Islam in the Qur'an is مِلَّةَ أَبِيكُمْ Ibrahim, The religion of your father Ibrahim. This is extremely important. Actually, even Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa we say this is the religion of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu we say that. But even Muhammad Rasulullah is told, فَاتَّبِعْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا You follow the religion of Ibrahim. You must follow the religion of Ibrahim. This is not a lecture about that, but in just a couple of minutes, I want to give you a quick, quick, quick picture of how much we are the religion of Ibrahim. How many pillars in Islam? It's not a hard question guys. How many pillars in Islam? Five. Shahada goes back to Ibrahim. La ilaha illallah, oneness of Allah. Everybody's clear why that goes back to Ibrahim salam, right? No confusion why Hajj goes back to Ibrahim salam. Is anybody confused about that? Hajj we do at the house built by Ibrahim. Every ritual is tied to Ibrahim salam. Then we make salaf. مُتَّخِذُونَ مِنْ مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى Safa and Marwa goes back to Ibrahim. The slaughtering of the animal goes back to Ibrahim. All of Hajj goes back to who? Ibrahim alayhi salam. The salah. Who made the dua? Rabbi ja'alni muqeema salati wa min dhurriyati. Who made that dua? Ibrahim alayhi salam made that dua. You know, make me the one who establishes the prayer. Then, okay, then the, what's left is zakat. You know, Ibrahim alayhi salam's son is Ismail. Kana ya'muru ahlahu bis salati wa zakati. He used to tell his family to, to pray and to give zakat. Where did Ismail learn his religion from? From Ibrahim. Even zakat goes back to Ibrahim salam. Only one thing left, Ustad, how are you going to do Ramadan in Ibrahim? Because Ibrahim salam didn't have Ramadan. 
Why do we celebrate Ramadan? Why? I know it's a hard question, but I'll wait for you. Let it get awkward, it's okay. Because of Qur'an. Qur'an was given to who? Rasulullah We celebrate Ramadan because Qur'an came, right? Qur'an came because of the dua of Ibrahim. رَبَّنَا وَبْعَثْ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِّنْهُمْ يَتْلُوْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِكَ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَيُزَكِّهِمْ Master send a, a messenger among them who will recite your ayat. Which ayat? Qur'an. He'll teach them the book. Which book? Qur'an. And finally that dua was answered when who came? Rasulullah came. And we celebrate the coming of the Qur'an with what month? Ramadan. And actually in Ramadan we celebrate the answer of Ibrahim's dua. That's what we celebrate. Five of the pillars go back to Ibrahim alayhi salam. All five. It's, this is the religion of Ibrahim. And that's a very important thing to understand. Extremely important to understand. So now when I've, I've given you that, let's take a step forward. Let's, let's not think about this in terms of religion for a second. Let's think of it in terms of a new nation. A new nation. A new nation needs uh, Independence Day. Kind of a celebration of when the nation was formed. A new nation needs a capital, right? A new nation needs a constitution. A new nation needs a name. What's the name? Muslimin from Islam comes from who? Ibrahim alayhi salam. What's the constitution? The book of Allah, the Quran. Now, this surah has given us the name Ummah, Ummatan Wasata. We've been given a name, and we've given the name, been given the name Muslim. Later on in the surah, we're gonna be given our Independence Day, or actually Independence Month. What is that? Ramadan. That's part of us becoming a new nation. We used to fast on the same days as the Jews, but now we're gonna fast on our own days, which is the days of Ramadan. Then the, the, the capital of faith was considered Jerusalem. But now there's a new capital. What's the new capital? It's Mecca, it's the Kaaba, and that's what we're going to learn about today. Because a new nation needs a new capital. So in every sense, we, a new nation is being formed, that is separated from the previous nation. Which was the previous chosen nation? Banu Israel. Okay? Now, as this shift is happening, one last thing. Thousands of years ago, Ibrahim salam in this surah, a few ayat ago, he made a dua standing next to his son Ismail. He made a dua, وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً لك. Out of our future generations, at least give us one ummah that is Muslim. And that dua, when he made it with his son, thousands of years later, Allah told it on the tongue of Rasulullah wasallam. He tells us in these ayat, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا That's how we made you an ummah. As if to say, finally I have answered the dua of Ibrahim, you made, he made you into an ummah. We, sitting here, are actually the answer of the dua of Ibrahim salam. Among my children, give an ummah that is Muslim. And then, you know, ummatan muslimatan Subhanallah. So this is just a little bit of a history of why these ayat of the change of the qibla are important. They begin with a very strange phrase. Allah says, سَيَقُولُ السُّفَهَاءُ مِنَ النَّاسِ Fools among the people are going to say. And this, the idea of fools, let's dig into that a little bit. This is the third time in Surah Al-Baqarah Allah mentions fools. 
The first time it was mentioned, أَنُؤْمِنُوا كَمَا آمَنَ السُّفَهَا Should we believe like the fools believe? And the second time, it was actually about Ibrahim salam. وَمَنْ يَرْغَبُ عَمْ مِلَّةِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِلَّا مَنْ سَفِهَ نَفْسَهُ Who would turn away from the religion of Ibrahim except somebody who fools himself? And now Allah says, the fools among the people will say. Fools among the people. Well, who are the people? The, the people around the Prophet ﷺ, they're Muslims, they are hypocrites, they are Jews, they are Christians. Even by extension, you can say there are mushrikeen. And Allah says, among all the people, the most foolish among them, the only ones Allah is willing to call fools, they are going to say the following. What are they, and what in the world are they going to say? مَا وَلَّاهُمْ عَنْ قِبْلَتِهِمْ أَلَّتِي كَانُوا عَلَيْهَا What turned them away from their qibla? What turned them away from their direction? So let's understand this history briefly. There are lots of different interpretations. I'll share with you the one that I find the most compelling, easy to understand and convincing, okay? Rasulullah according to some narrations, when he originally, it wasn't explicitly stated, but his practice was to pray towards Jerusalem. Even when he lived in Mecca, he used to pray towards Jerusalem whenever possible. As a matter of fact, when he would stand at the Kaaba, some narrations tell us, he would stand in a way that the Kaaba is in front of him, and also Jerusalem is in front of him. He could line them together. And that's how he would pray. Okay? The problem was when he moved to Medina, Medina is almost, you could say in a way, in the middle. Okay, without getting too technical about the map, it's in the middle. So you cannot pray now with Jerusalem in front of you and the Kaaba in front of you also. That's not possible. When you're going to face Jerusalem, your back will be to the Kaaba now. That's what's going to happen. But the Prophet ﷺ still prayed towards Jerusalem. Even when he moved to Medina, he prayed towards Jerusalem. Now who prays also towards Jerusalem? The Jews. They also pray towards Jerusalem. And it's very clear that in, the, it's, in their public speeches, they don't think Islam is the truth. Publicly they say Islam is made up, he's not a prophet, he's a liar, all of these things. Privately, it seems to be the case that they recognize more and more that he's the, Allah's prophet. And it became more and more clear to them that, that he is it. And Qur'an keeps actually illustrating that they're hiding what they know. They, they hide the truth. لَيَكْتُمُونَ الْحَقُّ وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ They hide the truth and they know. So publicly, no, 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 no. Islam. Privately, oh my God. Like there's a famous incident I mentioned in the Baqarah series of Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He walked into a, a you know, where they study. The Jews, the, 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 the rabbis, they study. In a synagogue, you can say. He walked in to a synagogue. And he just started talking to them. He said, why don't you like Islam? What's your problem with the Qur'an? And he says, you know, they said, he keeps exposing all our secrets. <laughs> like things they've been hiding in their book, Qur'an keeps exposing over and over and over again. But the thing is, at least publicly they were telling the world, this religion is false. If, let's just, I want you to understand this scenario. If you think, if a Jewish friend of mine thinks that I have the wrong religion, Islam is wrong, whether I pray towards Gaba, or I pray towards Disney World, or I pray towards California, who, why does he, he doesn't care. It's not his problem. I could pray upwards or downwards or backwards, I can pray on my head, he, it's no big deal. It's wrong anyway, why should he care? 
When the Prophet ﷺ decided, and Allah revealed to him silently without telling him it seems, to start praying towards the Kaaba. When he starts praying towards the Kaaba, the Jewish community is very offended. Wait, 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 what? Why are you... Pray towards Jerusalem, why are you changing direction? If this is not your religion, why do you care? You're not supposed to care, right? But the fact that they were offended and started making a joke out of, hey, how can they just change their direction? That exposed something. It exposed that they know that this is the right religion. And it also exposed that they know that so long as he's praying towards Jerusalem, Allah is still not that angry. I mean, he's angry, but he's still, I mean, he's praying in the same direction. He's fasting on the same days, you know. So we're still kind of the same, it's okay. We can, we've messed with prophets before, we can mess with this one, no problem. But when the capital is changed, it's like Allah is saying, this is a new nation, you're not part of it. And the only way you can be part of this nation, you have to change your direction too. And they got upset, and they, what they were hiding all along, came out and they said, مَا وَاللَّهُمْ عَنْ قِبْلَتِهِمُ كَانُوا عَلَيْهَا What turned them away? From the direct, their direction. It was their direction. Qiblatihim, the Ilafa suggesting, come on guys, that's, that's your direction. Do it, do it in, towards Jerusalem. The one that used to be committed to. What turned them away from the direction, their direction that they used to be committed to? When they said that, it foolishly explained and made it public that they were hiding the truth. And thus they are the fools among the people. You understand why they're foolish now? They couldn't hold it in. And Allah says, سَيَقُولُ Meaning they will say. Allah even called it, they're going to come and say. And He doesn't say who they are, He just says fools. He doesn't say, سَيَقُولُ Yahud or سَيَقُولُ Nasara or سَيَقُولُ Mushrikun. He didn't say that. He will say, fools will say this. And you could even argue that perhaps, Sahaba, when they first received these ayat, there's no knowledge of who's gonna come and say this. مَا وَاللَّهُ مَعْنَ قِبْلَتِهِمْ And then later on, the rabbis show up and say, Hey! What's going on here? Oh, fools, I see. <laughs> you know, Allah told us about you guys. You know? مَوَلَّهُمْ عَنْ قِبْلَتِهِمْ وَالَّتِي كَانُوا عَلَيْهَا You know? فَيُفْهَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا سَفِيهَا غَيْرَهُمْ عَلَى وَجْهِ الْمُبَالَغَةِ It's as though Allah is saying there's no bigger fool than them. That's what it implies. But what Allah says in response is so beautiful. Pay, pay attention to this part. What should you say to them? قُلْ لِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِبُ Tell them Allah owns the east and the west. Tell them Allah owns the east and the west. You know why that's important? It's important because إِنَّمَا الْعِبْرَةُ لِمْتِثَالِ أَمْرِهِ The only important thing is that you obey Allah. The direction is not important. What is important is that you obey Allah. Even before these ayat. What Allah said before is وَلِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِبُ When He was talking about Ibrahim salam. He said, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِمِ Allah owns the east and Allah owns the west. فَأَيْنَمَا تُوَلُّوا فَثَمَّ وَجْهُ اللَّهِ Wherever you may turn, wherever you may turn, wherever you are in the world, that is where the face of Allah is. That wasn't even an ayah about the qibla or the haram or nothing. Allah said, you will find Allah wherever you are. Why? For the Jews, if you're not praying towards Jerusalem, then it's... It's like kufr. For the, now, we turn towards the qibla, and say, how can you? Allah is over there. <laughs> and now Allah is saying, actually, Allah is not over there. 
Allah owns the East and the West. Wherever you are, you'll find Allah. Wherever you are. In Allah wasi'un alim. Allah is vast, all-knowing. You know, for children sometimes, our kids, we talk about the Kaaba, we have pictures of the Kaaba at home. We have little toy cube Kaaba things, you know. Or they have school projects where they make the Kaaba. And we call it Allah's house. Now for a child, what do they think? Allah lives in there. You know, Allah only needs one bedroom, He doesn't know extra rooms in the house. You know? Now a kid, a three-year-old can think like that, no problem. But you know sometimes we don't realize, even adult Muslims, even adult Muslims, Muslims will go to the Kaaba, and they'll go take a scissor, and tear out a piece of the ghilaf, stick it in their ihram, and then bring it home and put it in their house. You know? Is that piece of cloth have any value? Is that worthy of worship? Is it sacred? No. You know what's sacred? The command of Allah to pray in that direction. The most sacred part of the Kaaba is Hijr Aswad, yes? The most valuable part of the Kaaba? Hijr Aswad. Umar bin al-Khattab looks at Hijr Aswad and he says, I know you're just a rock. لا تنفع ولا تضر You don't benefit and you don't harm. And I'm only kissing you because the Prophet kissed you. That's it. But you're just a rock. Like before he kissed the rock, he said, hey, you're just a stone. <laughs> Are we that clear about that? It doesn't look like it when you go to Kaaba today. It looks like people are obsessed with stone. People are crazy about a stone. And the lesson Allah is teaching here is that your loyalty is not to the, that stone. Your loyalty and your worship is to Allah. لِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ do you understand this point? It's a very heavy point. It could be that somebody's... Uh, this is a controversial thing to say, but I have to say it because it must be said. It could be that somebody is at the Kaaba and they still don't know what Tawheed is. It's, they still don't know what it means to worship Allah. What it, what it means to worship Allah. We are not there to worship the Kaaba. We are there to worship Allah. That's why Allah says, Allah owns the East and Allah owns the West. And so, يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ This is one of my favorite phrases in the ayah. يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ إِلَىٰ صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ He guides whoever he wants to a straight path. Very easy translation, he guides whoever he wants to a straight path. But look at the, the deeper meanings inside here. First of all, what is important is guidance. And guidance isn't just which way you pray, guidance is... What are you going to do? What are you not going to do? Wait, hold on. That's too, that's too interesting for some of you. So I'll stop. Let them finish. They're almost done. You guys done? Okay. Because a lot of people got interested in that. So I thought maybe I'll let you guys get your entertainment out of your way and then we can continue. Okay. You're with me now again? We're back? We're good? Okay, okay. So, يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ إِلَىٰ صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ You know, Allah guides anybody who wants to a straight path. Did you know about Jerusalem? I was doing some research with some of my colleagues into the, you know, we prayed, they used to pray towards Jerusalem. It started, the practice allegedly starts with the Temple of Solomon with Sulaiman alayhi salam and praying in that direction. But he never made it mandatory on the Jewish people. Nor is there any, any verses of the Bible or anywhere else 
that it mandates that they must pray in that direction. There's a lot of, for example, different denominations of Christianity that no matter where they are in the world, they pray towards the east. Different Christian groups, they pray just towards the east. That's just what they do. Okay? But even for the Jewish people, there's no, we call ijma, right? There's no confusion. Whether you're a Muslim from China, or you're a Muslim from Australia, or America, you're gonna pray towards the Kaaba. And the reason is very clear. Ibrahim a.s. built it. And Ibrahim a.s. made it a center for all people. There's no confusion. It's made very, very straightforward. There is no such straightforward instruction for Masjid Aqsa. Even there's not a single hadith of the Prophet ﷺ pray in that direction. There's some narrations that he used to pray in that direction without saying anything. He was just doing it and we assume Allah revealed to him, continue that practice for now. And then I will make it towards the Kaaba. That's, that's all we assume. But there's no explicit statements. There's nothing. But now Allah has guided to a straight path which is built on a straight, very clear argument. Because the previous passage of the surah is clearly demonstrating why is the Kaaba the right place to pray? Why is the Kaaba the right direction to pray? Because of Ibrahim salam and how he built it. So that's one of the implications of Sirat Mustaqim. The second implication of Sirat Mustaqim that I'd like to highlight, very, it's tough to understand. The Muslims were praying towards Jerusalem. There are two communities of Muslims, Muhajirun and what? Muhajirun and Ansar. Now Muhajirun are from Mecca. And when they were in Mecca, even before Islam, their loyalty was to Aqsa or their loyalty was to the Kaaba. It's to the Kaaba because they're people of Mecca. Now when they come to Medina, even they have to turn their back towards Mecca. The home that they love. The home that they love. On the other hand, the... The, you know, the Ansar, some of them are of Jewish background, Christian background. Their loyalty is towards what? Towards Jerusalem. And now what Allah has done is He's focused everybody's attention back towards what? Makkah. Everybody's now focused back towards Makkah. The Muslims have just escaped Makkah. They were almost killed in Makkah. They finally come to Medina and they can breathe. Relief. But when Allah turns their direction in prayer towards Makkah, they realize something. We have to go back to Makkah. We can't stay in Medina. Because we're praying towards what? Makkah. Can you imagine praying towards the Kaaba and there's still idols? The only choice you have is you have to go clean up the masjid. You can't keep praying in that direction and let it be the way it is. Just by changing the Qibla, Allah gave the Muslims a mission. And the mission was, you will liberate the Kaaba. Is that clear to everybody? Because if this ayah didn't come, the Muslims don't have to worry about Makkah anymore. They can just live their life in Medina. And keep praying towards Jerusalem, no problem. Let the people of Makkah do what they do, who cares? But now that we have to pray in that direction, we have to purify Allah's house. We have to repeat what Allah told Ibrahim, Tahira bayti, purify my house. Now we have to purify that house. And that is a mission now that will have to go step by step by step. So if you understand that, everything that the Prophet did sallallahu alayhi wasallam after this, after this came, everything the Prophet did sallallahu was part of a mission to clean up the Kaaba again. The agenda, the mission became that sirat mustaqim. Straight, path, straight road back to Mecca. <laughs> That's what it became. And so the Muslims are clear that that is their mission now. 
يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ إِلَى صِرَاتٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ There's one more minor thing that I want to share with you, is about مَنْ يَشَاءُ The Jewish people believed that they are the special people of Allah, nobody can convert to their religion, it's theirs and theirs only, you have to be born into this religion, otherwise you cannot be part of this religion. And Allah says now, no, this is the religion of Ibrahim, that's why you face the house built by Ibrahim, and Ibrahim was worried about all the nations. The open invitation to whoever he wants. He will guide whoever he wants to a straight path. He made this religion international. He made this religion beyond any ethnicity. When he said, Because this was not the way of the Jewish people. The Jewish people were exclusive. You see? But we are not exclusive. Islam is not a Malay thing. Islam is a South Indian thing too. Islam is a Chinese thing too. Islam is an Australian thing too, yeah, it is. Islam is, Islam is across ethnicities. Islam is also for the people who aren't even Muslim yet. It's for them too. It's equal access. We have to ingrain this in our head. Because sometimes even for the Muslims, they have been Muslim for a few generations, and they feel like this is our thing. That is their religion, this is our religion. We are two different. No. This religion is not inherited. This religion is given by Allah and He gives it to whoever, whoever wants. And our job is to be the ambassadors of it. Okay? So now, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا And that is how we made you into a nation. That is, كَذَلِكَ suggesting, كَذَلِكَ كَثِيرًا مَا يُقْصَدُ بِهَا تَثْبِيتُ مَا بَعْدَهَا Just, there's lots of meanings, I'll simplify them. One of them is, just like the Jews were made a nation before you, now you've been made a nation. Another meaning is, just because now the Kaaba is your direction, that is how you are made an ummah. Because that is your mission. When that mission is fulfilled, and the Kaaba is cleaned up, then you will have fulfilled the mission of Ibrahim alayhi salam because Ibrahim built that house for the worship of Allah, not for the worship of idols. So you're gonna fulfill the mission of your father Ibrahim. That's what you're gonna do. This is why I keep calling it the religion of Ibrahim. Even the mission of Rasulullah is actually tied back to the house built by Ibrahim alayhi salam. Okay? Now, this, in this phenomenal way, this is one of the meanings of the ayah, in this amazing way, we made you into a nation. Not in any lesser way. We, the, the people of this ummah, it's incredible. There are people you will meet at the haram, you'll pe- Muslims you'll meet around the world, you'll see somebody praying at an airport somewhere, you don't even speak the same language as them. You don't eat the same food as them. You know nothing about them. You'll join them in salah and stand next to them. And you'll go in ruku at the same time and sujood at the same time. You are now joined with people just because of la ilaha illallah. You have nothing else in common. Nothing, nothing else in common. And that's enough. That's more than enough. Subhanallah. This is an amazing thing Allah has given us that He has never given any other people in the world. No other people have it like we do. Nobody else. You know, when I go in, in America, when I lived in New York, there are lots of different churches, of course, in New York. And, and in, in Texas, of course, there are lots of churches. But especially in New York, there was a Korean church, there was a Chinese church, there was a Filipino church, there was a Puerto Rican church, there was a Dominican church, there was a Mexican church, there was a you know, black church. It's not even Methodist Church and Presbyterian Church and Unitarian Church and Catholic Church and 
Orthodox Church. I didn't mention different schools of thought. I mentioned different ethnicities. They're churches by ethnicities. But you're not supposed to have a Bangladeshi masjid and a Pakistani masjid and a Indian I know you have an Indian masjid in KL, I know. Masjid India, I know. <laughs> but it's not just for the Indians. It's just called Masjid India because there's lots of Indians in the neighborhood. Not because they check at the door. Hey, hold on. Let me see your... Speak some Tamil. Now go. No, they don't do that. <laughs> it's open. Then, then you see the same, same city, New York City. You go to a masjid. You, know, you go to Masjid Taqwa in Brooklyn. And you have the Senegalese, and you have the Chinese, and you have the you know, people that used to be Jewish became Muslim, and Pakistanis, and Indians, and all of it. I'm just standing in one row. Subhanallah. This is, um, this is how we were made into an ummah. But the, the thing I wanted to highlight for you, inshallah, is the word that describes this ummah. Ibrahim's word was ummatan muslimatan. Ummatan muslimatan. But Allah changed it. Allah said not just ummatan muslimatan, now He gave it a new quality. He said ummatan wasatan. It's a different word now. So you were expecting the same word again. Ummatan muslimatan. Because that's what He asked for. But Allah added to ummatan muslimatan and He added ummatan Wasat. Now the word wasat is actually very important for us to understand. So I'll, I'll give you some things about it. It's first of all, sara ma'na nifasa wal izza, nifasa wal izza wal khiyar min lawazimi ma'na al wasat urfan fa'atlaquha ala al khiyar in nafis kinayatan. Let me just explain what that means in simple English. Wasat can mean the middle of something. Wasat is the middle of something. The thing is, what is in the middle of the castle? The most valuable things. The wall on the outside, the security guards, the, the gates, you know. And then all the way in the middle is the most valuable thing. Even the way Allah created the human being, right in the middle is the most valuable body part. Right in the middle. You understand? Same way when you have jewelry, the most valuable jewel is where? In the middle. If you have a necklace, the most valuable jewel goes right in the middle. So in the Arabic language, uh, and by the way, Ibn Ashur would even give the example of a valley. And the animals graze, 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 but they barely get to the middle, so the middle has the best fruits and best plants and you know, best vegetation. So the middle of something became known in Arabic as the best of something, the nicest of something, the most valuable of something. So in Arabic culture and in Arabic language, middle and the best and the climax and the most amazing are one and the same. When we are told ummatan wasata, its one meaning is a middle nation. But it's also an amazing nation, the most valuable nation, an incredible nation, a beautiful nation. You know, the best of all nations. It's all embedded inside the word wasat. What fascinates me even more, this is hard to understand, but I'll try to make it easy. Pay attention to this part, inshallah. Wasatan, and I might even give you a short break so you can refresh your minds after this. The word wasat is what's called in Arabic a masdar. You know, in English, there's adjectives and there's ideas. An adjective is like blue or green or big or small. These are adjectives. But, you know, small is an adjective, but smallness, smallness is not an adjective. It's an idea. Similarly, high is an adjective, but highness is an idea. Similarly, middle is an adjective. But middleness is an idea. The idea of middle. 
Wasatan is actually not mutawasitan. Mutawasitatan would have meant middle, an adjective. But wasatan is an idea. And what that does is it changes the meaning significantly. What it suggests is that these, this ummah, Allah has made this ummah, when people don't understand what middle means, what balance means, what beautiful means, they don't understand that idea, when they look at this ummah, they get the definition of that idea. It's like that idea, because ideas are abstract, they're not, they're not easy to quantify. We will become the living example of what it means to be balanced. We will be that. Or that is the expl- that's the expectation of Allah. SubhanAllah, that is a huge expectation and we're doing a terrible job. We're not doing a good job at all. As I leave you with this first break, I'd like to share with you what, what wasatan could imply. What does it mean that we're the most amazing, balanced, middle people? What does that mean? There are nations before us, they were only interested with matters of knowledge. And their hearts became hard. There were other nations who cared only about the matter of the heart and they had no knowledge. The Jewish people, lots of knowledge, but hearts became hard. The Christian people, lots of heart, but no knowledge. And the ummah is what? Wasat. It's in between the two. This book, it opens up our minds and it melts our hearts, doesn't it? This ummah is supposed to be spiritual and intellectual at the same time. And we're supposed to constantly balance between these two. There were people before us who were very good in theory but not good in practice. There was, there was ilm but no amal. Or there was amal and no ilm. We are supposed to be the people of ilm and amal balanced together. We're right in between. We're right in between those two extremes. We are people that are... There are people who only concern themselves with dunya. There are people who only concern themselves with akhirah. What about this ummah? Do we only care about akhirah? Do we only care about dunya? Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana We are right in between. We're right in between. Allah wants us to have the best of this dunya and the best of the akhirah. Right in between. In every sense of the word. And by the way, I would even argue, this ummah is supposed to be, there are, there are two kinds of knowledge. There's knowledge of deen and knowledge of dunya. I'll say that again. Knowledge of deen and knowledge of dunya. You have engineers, you have physicians, you have accountants, you have you know, different professions. These are people that have knowledge of dunya. You have muhaddithun and fuqaha and mufassirun and you know, People of kalam, these are knowledge of deen. We're supposed to be the people in between. Meaning we don't just learn our deen. We also learn dunya. And we don't just learn dunya, we also learn our deen. So this is supposed to be the ummah where the religious scholars know a lot about the world. And it's also supposed to be the ummah where the scientists and the political scientists and the thinkers and the sociologists know a lot about the religion. They're both, they work together. They're not two different worlds. What has happened? You have an Islamic university. They just study Islam. And then you have an engineering school or a medical school. And that's all they study. And they're two different worlds. And people come out of one of them and they know a lot about this world, but they know nothing about that world. And the people in this world know everything here, but they know nothing about that side. We're supposed to be the people that are the best of both. There's, these, are, these two worlds are supposed to be in conversation. 
You see how far we've come from that? When somebody, today some young, young people come to me and say, oh, I don't want to study science anymore, I want to study my deen. I say, Ya Allah. When you're studying science, that's also your deen. That's also your deen. Why do you think that's like, you're studying shaitan or something? What's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with studying science. There's nothing wrong with studying accounting or finance. We are that balanced people in everything that we do. In everything that we do. It's incredible. You know, I'll, I'll mention one or two more examples of, of the middle. There are nations, you know, like, like for example, communism, right? Ideologies, where they think about the society and they don't think about the individual. Right? So the individual has been eliminated and everything is about the greater good, the larger society. Then of course the opposite is something like consumerism, capitalism, where the only thing that matters is the individual. Who cares about what? Society. So long as I have what I want, who cares about anybody else? Right? What does this deen teach us? You have to care about yourself, and you have to care about the world around you, and you have to balance between both, both of them. You have to balance between both of them. In every sense of the word, Allah made us ummatan wasata. And where will you learn that balance? You will learn that balance when you understand the role of Ibrahim salam in this religion. We keep going back to that one point, turn back towards this, this Kaaba, will remind us of something. It will give us something. وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا بَارَكَ اللَّهُ لِي وَلَكُمْ وَسَلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَةً اللَّهِ وَبَرَكَاتُهُ Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Qur'an across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G